On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's owner, Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. A couple of days ago, Cara Kane posted a tweet and a story uh, from the Irish News saying that the GA is clamping down and will sanction those involved in competitive games for players under the age of 12, particular impact on blitzes, no keeping scores at games, no semi-finals or finals, no cups allowed. And he had the full story. And then obviously there's been a massive reaction to this. It has been a big topic of conversation over the last couple of days. I'm delighted to say Irish Times columnist Jen Hogan is with us in studio. And on the line we have uh, Port MacDonald, the GA development coach. You're both very welcome and you've both been um, talking about this. I might start with you, Jen. Um, you've written about this before. What what was the experience that you found from parents of kids uh, when the kids were involved in sport that was competitive or super competitive or mildly competitive at an underage level? Yeah, um, I mean, I got a huge response to a piece that I did uh, a few months ago talking about this and parents got in touch to say that their children had dropped out of sports, I suppose, altogether, had felt completely excluded, humiliated, um, terribly upset on the sidelines. And they were they were really concerned, I suppose, about keeping them involved in sport. And they tr- some of them tried to talk to coaches, some of them tried to talk to clubs. It wasn't very well received. I mean, it wasn't just coming from clubs, it was coming from parents sometimes on the sidelines too, some of the, some of the um, aggression and some of the negativity that the kids were experiencing. But this whole idea of maybe token involvement as well, having children kind of to- involved um, on a kind of token tokenistic level where they were got on the pitch for a couple of minutes a box was ticked and that was it and the child was supposed to be happy and it was because parents said it was more important to the coaches to win than to include all the children and get all the children involved and they were very much focused on the win forgetting that it was about children why do you think there was such a big response I suppose because so many people could relate to it and everybody had a story. There, even within families, there was lots of parents came back and they said they had maybe one child who was really good at sport and he or she got even got to leapfrog, you know, that that practice of jumping over an age um, group, an age group and, and got involved, got to, the opportunity to do that versus a sibling who was left on the sidelines or who was humiliated because a big brother or a big sister came in and took a place uh, in the, on their team and they so didn't they get were, to play. they were on the two sides of the leapfrogging. Yeah, so they, they got to see it firsthand and when you see the kind of negativity that it has or that they're parents felt that they actually even had to pull their children out of sports for their own protection or you had kids like feel there was one parent wrote and she said that her son vomited the night before he was so distressed you know he had gone to all the training sessions but when match day came around it was much more important to win so the best what the coach termed to be the, the best players were put on instead he didn't get to play he still got his medal but that kind of thing of going into school the next day everybody knowing mm-hmm. he didn't play in spite of turning up and in spite of training and in spite of being part of the team and doing his absolute best it wasn't good enough for the coach the win was more important uh, Porik what, what's your um, understanding of, of why the Go Games exists within the GA uh, Good morning yeah the Go Games are probably one of the initiatives in the GA that I feel has worked very well and they're probably in about 12 to 15 years now in varying degrees in varying counties I think Dublin was probably one of the early adopters of it and basically the Go Games came in for a reason that up till then um, kids were playing in sort of adult structures and adult adults, you know, um, competition structures and adult game structures. Uh, for instance, you know, probably you were playing 15 aside at under 10, you were playing on a big pitch, you were playing in big goals with a big heavy size four football and go games sort of 
were brought in as a sort of child friendly and uh, with a couple of key principles like full participation, inclusion, um, child appropriate sized uh, pitches, child appropriate sized goals. So, for instance, at under eight, you're playing seven aside on a small pitch that maybe 60 metres by 30 metres. Um, the goal games, footballs and slitters were brought in. So, uh, a first touch football for under eight is a lot less threatening when you're hit with it than would say a size four. And again, I suppose a big change over the last 20, 25 years, uh, would have been kids are starting sort of organized sport at a lot earlier age. So back when I was playing, uh, I think my first game would have been at under 12. And uh, now you have kids coming into clubs at four and five. So we had to meet that demand with appropriate sized, um, uh, structures and appropriate size games for them. They're called goal games because everybody's supposed to get a go. Yeah, so uh, no subs. Uh, everybody plays, and as I said, you know, at under eight, it's seven aside. At under nine, it can move up to eight, to nine aside. At under eleven, it's uh, eleven aside. At under twelve, it's thirteen aside. And it's only then when you hit youth, which is under thirteen and above, that you're into what we would call class the sort of traditional GA where. Uh, bigger pitches, 15 aside, and a size four ball, moving on to a size five ball later on than that. And then subs on the line and, um, you know, the competitive element sort of becomes uh, a little bit more uh, sort of focused on then. Uh, Morris Brosnan's got a good piece in the Examiner today where he talks about the annual report this year and how uh, in the annual report there was it was kind of flagged that they were going to start taking action on this, that there had been... Uh, observances of the principles being breached. Is that your understanding, Parik? Is that what we're seeing around the country that we're kind of backsliding a bit to more competitive structures? Um, I suppose uh, anecdotally you hear, you hear sort of uh, of certain tournaments and certain places where it is competitive and there is might have been cups on offer and knockout games and stuff like that. I'd also know the flip side of that where I've been involved in blitzes myself, which is purely participation and I think at the end of the day um, blitzes I, I think that some people are reading into this that blitzes are gone or blitzes can't be held I think participation blitzes uh, can and will be held in this it's just that there won't be knockouts there won't be semi-finals there won't be finals that everybody goes everybody gets the same amount of games everybody it can be structured in a way that can you know you're playing against clubs or teams the same sort of size as yours or ability wise um, so, for instance, when you do get under 12 in Dublin, certainly it is graded. It's semi-graded at under 11 where you have teams at A stream, B stream, C stream. And uh, you can you can have underage blitzes and you can invite teams uh, and you can have it targeted at a, at a, at a B stream or a C stream um, so that everybody is treated equal. And I think that's the big thing in goal games. Everybody's treated equal. It's, it's inclusive and it's it's full participation. Jen, this story is obviously, um, again, news this week because of Carol Kane's piece about the GA, but it's not specific to GA, is it? No, it's not specific to GA. And I actually spoke to parents even last night ahead of coming on today. And I, I did ask them, it is a big problem in soccer as well. And that, that one is particularly mentioned. Rugby seem to get glowing reports for the most part. They seem to be very aware of inclusion. And most of the reports that came back on, on children involved in rugby, the parents had great things to say. But soccer, it is a bi- it's a big issue there. And I mean, anybody who's ever been on the sideline will see that. They'll see sometimes 
sometimes coaches completely forgetting that this is children that we're talking about, the, the same children who are on the side, you know, sideline, always being subbed, even with the rolling subs, the same kid going on and off. And, and it's it's something that, I mean, parents are hugely aware of, but the children themselves are also hugely aware yeah, of. Yeah, like the children aren't taking They're not stupid. No. And when you look at, at Norway, for example, 93% of children play sports um, in Norway and they have no competitive sports at all under the age of 13, which so and, and they've obviously a huge or very successful um, elite athletes later in life. And that tra- that moves over into adulthood where you have high participation in adults. If we if we continue kind of down the road of kind of turning a blind eye to this kind of competition and children being excluded, then we risk take, we risk starving them, I suppose, and robbing them of the lifelong benefits that go hand in hand with sports. But it isn't GAA, but it is mostly GAA that I hear about. It is mostly GAA that it comes back to. It's usually the parents getting in touch saying that this kind of practice is, is going on. It's supposed to be for the community. Everybody doesn't feel involved in the community. It seems to depend really on, on how good you are. And it well, comes down well, to that. OK, so like, I realise you've given us um, facts and figures but from uh, for your opinion yeah. why, why is it what is it what is it about the competition what is it about the ego of these parents I, you know I think it's maybe they're reliving their youth maybe <laughs> they want or they want to they want to see themselves as this wonderful manager and you know um, bask in the glory of success and, and I mean look there is we're inherently I suppose there's a degree of competitiveness in us all everybody likes to win children like to win too but but it's more about fun and it should always be about fun and the, the, I suppose the goal should always be about keeping as many included and as many playing for as long as possible that should be the goal but I think when it comes to grown-ups they forget they're dealing with children and yeah, I've seen I mean only last week as a parent I was on the sideline and I saw incredible behaviour I wasn't my coach I'll have to have to say our coach is deadly but um, I did see incredible behaviour on the sidelines and, I, and it was hard to believe it, that the, the coach was roaring at kids the way he was roaring at kids and like, it, it moves over then onto the pitch and you see it with the children they're picking up on this vibe so it's really it's a really important thing that it is reined in and that the parents do realise this is kids this is children it's about fun it's about keeping as many involved for as long as possible What's the answer on that then? I know we, we, we started a panel before Antonio Montero was in here who is involved in the silent sidelines initiative mm-hmm. where you literally parents can't say anything coaches can't say anything except for little words of advice here and there like is that the, the, the only way forward do you reckon it's or bit, it's a bit depressing if you think you have I know, to go if that that's way the only yeah solution. if that's the only solution but if adult, if the adults can't behave there's merit in that you know if you're if you're encouraging a team along that's great as long as you know that you're remembering to encourage the whole team and there's not you know there's not blame being apportioned to a young child who misses a shot you know that we're not we're not seeing that sort of thing you'd like to think that kind of positive comments can come and if, if the adults can be grown up enough to remember to support properly but like what I witnessed last week and what parents are reporting to me that they're witnessing is they're, they're actually hearing abuse of players, uh, like kids, they're kids. And that's the thing that I can never get my head around. And it's long and I'm going to sidelines and on the side of pitches for years and years and years at this stage. And when I hear these stories coming in from parents, it's all so familiar. So the, the, the idea of silent sidelines, it's not appealing. It might not be like that kind of ban, you know, for mm. parents it might make them wise up. Maybe if they introduced it for a short while and got parents to wise up a bit and then we could get back to supporting our children as we should be able able to. I mean, this, these problems are being created by the grown-ups, not by the kids, except it does it does filter on then and the children pick up and they think this is an acceptable way to behave and maybe they're not so kind to their, their yeah. teammates. Yeah. Um, Parik, what again, just from a, an, an instinct level, what's your view? And uh, Is it good that this has happened this week because actually it starts the conversation and we get to draw out people's views and opinions and, and you know, you can uh, calmly uh, have a conversation about it? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's uh, it's no harm that we, we, we look at structures and we look at why we do things and why things are in place. Um, 
I believe there's a big part of this is education. I think part of it is is club philosophies and what clubs are about. And I believe most clubs are are child centered, child friendly. I think most clubs want to keep as many players involved in their club and participating and bringing them all the way through into minor and into adulthood. And I think that can only be done by uh, stuff like the Go Games ethos and everybody getting a chance and everybody been developed. And the education piece is, uh, you know, understanding of development rates and understanding of stuff like relative age effect and understanding not every kid is developed by under 12. And, you know, in fact, in my experience, very few of them are, 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 are developed. There's, there's still a lot to do in their development in terms of technical, tactical, physical, mental. So, um, it, you know, education from a coach's point of view, uh, GA player pathway came in there a couple of years ago. And it was uh, a big change in terms of um, some of the player pathways that went before. This one had some core philosophies and included in that was, you know, quality coaching, connecting kids to them, to their teams, connecting kids to their clubs, being inclusive. And that tagline, I think somebody mentioned earlier there, the, as many as possible for as long as possible. And um, I think once, you know, clubs have a sound development philosophy, um, the one that jumps out, I think, that everybody would know from a GA point of view would be Nemo Rangers, where Nemo Rangers don't have it as a badge of honour that they're not interested in winning uh, underage competitions or underage leagues, that it's about development for them. It's about bringing as many kids through to minor and into adult. And I still think they're, they're you know, to have a philosophy like that in a club is and a very sort of public philosophy I think is 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 an example for for a lot of clubs to follow. Is that the is that relative age effect report that you mentioned? Is that the I guess the decision making from the GA as to why it's under twelves for go games and not say under tens or under fourteens? Um, no, I don't think that's relative age effect. I think um, I think that's more that you know you have your. Um, I suppose there's a there's a big drop off uh, going from primary to secondary school, and I think that's one of the keys that. You know, to be, you know, in in, in primary school, uh, where you know, sort of that sort of corresponds to the goal games. Uh, there is, you know, a lot of work been done coming to one school. A lot of GA clubs going into the local schools. I think participation rates are very high. I think the fall off is after that when they go into youth sport and into uh, let's say secondary schools. And I think the challenge is, is when we get out of goal games and into that, how can we keep more kids involved at youth sport? Uh, all the way through into into adult. Um, I, I, I haven't seen the full text of the the um, the letter, but my understanding is that the whole point of this is like to try and put up guardrails so that everybody sticks within the guardrails by and large. But I don't think anybody says you can't have occasional one-off blitzes. It's the fact that it will become a regular thing where trophies and leagues and, you know, uh, inter-club rivalry becomes more important than actually getting more people to play more often. That's my understanding, of, at least, of a Porik. I don't know if, if that's correct or not. I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm sort of more knowledgeable about the Dublin setup because I've been working in, in Dublin uh, GA circles for, for, for a while now. Um I think, by and large, clubs are, are are doing a very good job in terms of participation. In terms of, I think the Dublin the Dublin leagues serve teams and uh, and, and and clubs very well. Um, you know, you've 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 two codes. You have hurling football, lady football, camogie. It's week on, week off. But over the course of a year, I suppose you'd get somewhere between twenty to twenty five games 
in total. And on top of that, you layer in the, the trips away and the challenge matches and these blitzes. So um, I think uh, the blitzes are fine once they're participation blitzes. Um, I do think by and large, um, I think, you know, unfortunately, this is, you know, this has come to a head at the moment because it's only one or two coaches, one or two um, overexcited parents on the sideline have brought this to a head. And uh, it's it's no harm every now and again just to just to stand back and examine it and maybe just re-emphasize what's important and why we're doing it and what the outcomes that we're looking for, which is uh, as many kids as possible for as long as possible. Yeah, fair enough. Um, this story is not going to go away. No, it's not going to go away. I mean, like I said, I asked parents last night about what was happening, or what their experience was just a few months on from, from writing the last time and it was the same huge response um, and yeah. parents getting in touch. But hopefully it'll mean, I mean, the fact that there's it's back in the public eye again, hopefully it will mean that we will see with the policy being followed and kids being involved and nobody feeling that they're always on the sideline and excluded and that they feel that they have a place within sports. All right, we leave it there. Jen Hogan and Port McDonald, thank you both very much for Pleasure. your uh, views this morning. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.